Let us pray. Father, we are so grateful tonight for your giving us your son, for the resurrection that gives us life. We thank you for your word that tells us of this. We ask you to open our ears and our hearts to hear what you would have us to hear, to do what you would have us to do. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Our readings, as well as our music and our liturgy tonight, have been far more eloquent than I could possibly be in giving the story of the resurrection. So I want to simply trace one of the many themes that can be traced through our readings both tonight and throughout the week of Holy Week in our various services. God created the world, as we see in Genesis 1, through a series of divisions and separations. He separates light from darkness. He separates the earth from the heavens. He separates dry land from water. In the creating of man, we see a clear distinction between body and spirit. And then in the end, he separates man from woman. God regularly throughout the first chapters divides, but then he unites. What he divides, he brings back together. Light and darkness to make one day. Earth and heavens to make what we would now call one universe. The dry land and the water make one earth. Body and spirit make one human being. And he brings man and woman together again and unites them as one flesh. He divides and then he unites. And all of these divisions were held together in perfect unity in God. He was that unity that held them together. For this reflects what he himself is, the perfect unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Perfect division and perfect unity. But then came the fall and our sin and our rejection of God and His commandment and our desire to do things our own way and our experience of this unity was shattered. And we began to exist in the fragmentation that we still feel to this day. We feel the struggle, even the war that takes place between my own body and my soul. Our relationships are strained and shattered. And there is the awful separation between man and God. We are scattered and in conflict in our various parts. This is exemplified from the very beginning. In the chapters after the fall, verses Genesis 3 through 11, what we find is fragmentation and scattering. We find the division between soul and body in the very beginning in the need to cover our bodies in shame, trying to somehow unite the inner feeling we have in ourself with the outer shame that we feel now in our bodies. There is the broken relationship between man and God in God's refusal to accept Cain's sacrifice and offering. 
And then the brokenness of relationships as Cain kills his brother. We find it in the people exalting themselves against God at the Tower of Babel, resulting again in a division that God makes. He again divides. He divides languages. But he does not bring again together in unity. And the people scatter throughout the earth. But then he chooses Abraham, through whom he promises to bring blessing to all nations. And he begins the long process of gathering that which is scattered. It is a long process in part because God grows things slowly. He works slowly. And it is long in part because mankind constantly fights against his work towards unity. God insists that that the unity will be restored only through him and only in his way. Yet we have insisted that we know better what this restored unity is to look like and how it is to be achieved. And so we wind up with the awful picture of those who do what is right in their own eyes in the book of Judges and the horror that that book holds. And so we find that the kingdom, once it is established, cannot exist more than three generations before it itself is divided. And eventually, we find the diaspora of God's people, the diaspora of the northern kingdom, the exile of the southern kingdom. The people constantly saying, we know better how things are to be done. Yet, through all of this, even in the darkest times, we have the promises that we read tonight in Ezekiel, in Isaiah, And Zephaniah saying, I will gather that which is scattered. I will unite things in my servant. I will make things new. And he does so in the most unexpected and surprising way. He begins by sending the Son to live on earth as the perfect unity of God and man. That which we have lost, we now find on earth, walking among us, exemplifying for us the unity that we have longed for. But a mere example was not enough to save a fractured and fragmented world. In fact, that unity was even resented, and we resent it to this day. It wasn't enough, not enough to simply give us an example. And so he gave his body to be broken. And his body was broken for us on the cross. This whole and perfect one taking upon himself the sin and judgment of a broken world. And it is into this death that he calls us to be united. This is what our Romans 6 reading says today. We are to be united 
with him in his death. For only through this death comes wholeness. And God will have it no other way. Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. We do not come to Christ asking for him to add a few good things to our life and maybe to remove a few bad things. But we ask him to sweep up the fragments of our own natural selves and to hang them all on the cross. Those things we trust or cling to in ourselves, they must die. Our own wisdom, our intellect, our experiences, they must go to the cross. The strength that we pride ourselves in must die at the cross. The comfort of bitterness that we cling to from being wronged and offended, it too must die at the cross. Our wealth, our position, our talent, all that is scattered and fragmented, must go and die at the cross. And it will not do to grasp a few fragments to keep as a comfort or as a keepsake. It must all go. We may not seek help for only one part of our fragmented self while reserving other parts for our own tinkering. Lewis says this, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time or so much of your money or just so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or cap it or crown it but to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires you think innocent as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. And so Jesus constantly tells, says to those who say, I would follow you. I would follow you. Good, follow me. But let me, let me go bury my father, let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. Let me go say goodbye to my parents. No man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back has any part in me. What must I do to be saved? Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. All these things I've done from my youth. How about the one commandment I didn't mention? Covetousness. How about you give me that too? Go give all your money to the poor and follow me. 
to this person who Mark says Jesus looks at and loves. The man says no. And he leaves. And Jesus doesn't go after him. If you will follow me, you must take up your cross. You must die, all of you. You must be united with me in death. Give up your whole self to me as I gave my, myself to, for you. If this seems hard, it's because it is. But with this comes the great promise. The demand is to be united with him in death. But Paul says, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For he will take all the fragments with the promise, not just to patch it together and hand it back and say, this was the best I could do but to give us a new life. And not just any life, his life. Himself, which is the perfect unity and wholeness that we long for. We may not see it all now, but as he was resurrected, so shall we be as we follow him to the cross. And there will come a time when we are raised to newness of life in him, with him, in his perfect unity. All things once again restored. It is no accident, as we saw on Good Friday, that the last great temptation of Jesus takes place in the garden. Once again, all the principal characters of the world, God, perfect man, Satan, fallen man, are all once again at the garden when Christ is tempted. The second Adam is tempted once again, and he wins. And it is no accident that the John says that he was placed in a tomb, a new tomb in a garden going back to the scene of the crime, the first death, the garden, and saying, I will make all things new. And this is his call to come and die so that we may be raised again in him the fullness and wholeness and unity that we long for to be restored in him, in the wholeness of his life. And brothers and sisters, this is a thing well worth celebrating, that he has made a way again to restore, to unite all things in Christ. And that is what we celebrate here this evening. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.